All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your word. We pray that your word will be a blessing to us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who will be our teacher and who will guide us into all truth. Bless your holy name for tonight and for all that we will hear. We declare that our hearts are good soil and fertile. And when the seed of God's word falls on our heart tonight, it will yield forth many dividends. In Jesus' name, amen. So hello guys and welcome to tonight's Bible study. I'm very glad to see all of you. Over the past two weeks, we have camped at Romans chapter 4. It was a continuation on what Paul started in chapter 3 concerning the gift of righteousness. Paul went ahead to talk about being justified by faith and not through the law. So if you do remember, that is the summation of chapter 3. Um, and the, 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 the meat out of that is one receives the gift of righteousness imputed upon them through faith. Faith in Christ Jesus, not through the law came to realize that in the Old Testament till Jesus came, nobody could observe the righteous requirements of the law and, and make it. I mean, the closest one was Mark chapter 10. The Bible says the, young, the, the, the rich young ruler. He said, I have observed all the commandments since I was a child, you know. Maybe if I was Jesus, I'd be happy. i say, wow, bless God. I don't have to die. <laughs> I can go back to heaven. What's the point of dying? If, if, if one person can do it, then that means everybody is capable of observing the law. But Jesus looked at me. The Bible said he loved them. Mark 10. He said, one thing thou lackest. Or one thing you lack. Like one thing. Say, sorry, come and follow me. And James chapter 2, verse 10 says it. If you break one, you are guilty. No, nobody, nobody. So for this reason, Jesus had to die. And now when we receive Christ into our lives as our Lord and personal Savior, through him, we have observed the righteous requirements of the Lord, which Christ fulfilled, and we are imputed upon the gift of righteousness. So that, that was the message. With that as a backdrop, Paul went ahead in chapter 4 to talk about the father of the Jews in Abraham by posing two questions. And the first question, Abraham, um, I'm sorry, Paul, Paul posed was, did Abraham become righteous through faith or through the law? We learned that. And then the second question was, did Abraham receive the promise through faith or by the law? We also learned about that last week. Last week we answered that question. And uh, I'll suggest you listen to the recordings again so that you can refresh your memory on that. And you have to understand that in Paul's climate, there was that um, harsh tension and strong divide between Jews and Gentiles. Even though the Jews have received the gospel, they were still prejudiced in their mind that if a Gentile wants to receive our gospel, they will have to be circumcised after the manner of how Abraham did it. And Paul is again, no, you don't have to do it that way because even Abraham, he rather became righteous first before he was circumcised, that he will be the father of both the circumcised and the uncircumcised, that those who walk in the steps of the father Abraham 
are the righteousness of God. So uh, that that was that was very good. I mean, when I when I look at this, I I just look at Paul's skill and how he's able to bring truth alive. That's so uh, touching and encouraging. Amen. So today we are going to look at chapter five. Chapter five is in two parts. Uh, the first part talks about the benefits of being justified, and then the second part talks about our origin. It talks about two Adams. So today, the whole world, as, as, as is being said, we are 7.5 billion now. The whole world has become the way it has become because of two origins. So one origin is the first Adam. And excuse me, the second origin is the last Adam. And, and that will determine our destiny. So when you, when you read, especially Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we will, we will touch that next week. I, I really wanted to touch it today, but I felt, no, let me deal with that one next week so that we can really take our time and then absorb the first 11 verses. When you read verse 12 to 20-something, you know, wherever the, the verse end, man became what they became not because of action, but because of origin. And we will do that. But before that, Paul spends the first 11 verses talking about the benefits of justification. So Paul has already spoken to us about justification. So now he's just enumerating some fringe benefits that we have as we become justified. And what's the meaning of justified? It's the state of being declared righteous. And what is righteousness? Righteousness is God righting your wrong and you having the ability to stand in front of God, the devil, and man without any sense of guilt. Many, many people can stand in front of God without any sense of guilt. Some Christians can stand in front of the devil without any sense of guilt. But many, many, many Christians cannot stand in front of man without any sense of guilt. Because man is still going to point to your past. Are you, you are the righteousness of God. Were you not the one that went to prison for fraud? <laughs> you are in the papers. Even, even, how did I know your news? I knew, I knew your news because your friend used your article as a WhatsApp status update. That's how I got to know. Yeah, so, you know, all these things are problems. And Apostle Paul dealt with it a lot. He dealt with it. That was one of his biggest problems. You know, to the point that he had to write that, look, I have wronged no man. You know, he had to be free of that. So, Sometimes that's the real test. Not, not God, not the devil. Because some, some have really mastered, oh, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. I come over the devil, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what about standing in front of man? Man knowing your history. Man knowing your past. Man knowing that you messed up. But you can still boldly with your chest out say, I am the righteousness of God. And I deserve to stand here. I deserve to receive every blessing without any sense of guilt. Without you reading my history. Do you work for Wikipedia? Why do you go back and refer to my history and everything? I am free. I am not guilty. And it's very unfortunate that sometimes the worst culprits can be the church or the pulpit. And we shouldn't do that. Amen. Once someone is declared righteous, let's allow him to enjoy the gift of righteousness. 
Amen. Okay, so Romans chapter 5. Let's look at the first five verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, it's very good to read Bible in a context. See, if you start reading this chapter by itself, you might not understand the message very well. But when you read chapters 3 and 4 and then pair it to chapter 5, this really makes meaning. Because Paul was now talking about on these grounds and for this very reason, we have been justified by faith with peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, therefore, therefore means for this reason or on these grounds. So if you want to know why Paul is saying on these grounds or for this reason, you will have to find out the start of the preceding statement. And the start of the preceding statement is in chapter 3, which Paul went ahead to talk about righteousness. So the first benefit we see here about justification or righteousness is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Paul says on these grounds, for this very reason, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Upon everything I said, I've spent the whole chapter 3 talking about righteousness. I've spent chapter 4 talking about our father of the Jews in Abraham, who was declared righteous by faith, who received the promise of God by faith, on these grounds, we have been justified by God. And once we have been justified by God and we have received that through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. So that's the first benefit. We have peace with God. There is no enmity between us and God. It is very sad that a Christian will believe I am the righteousness of God, but he will still see God as an enemy. Sometimes not right. When you have peace with God, it is a sure sign you have been justified. And once you have been justified, it is very important for you to know this benefit. Amen. We have peace with God. And that peace comes because we have been justified through faith. You know, there is the, you have to understand peace on two levels. There is peace with God, and there is the peace of God. The Bible lets us know that the peace of God fills our hearts and guards our minds. And we can receive that through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. But when it comes to peace with God, where there is no chasm, every barrier 
that prevented us from communication has been taken away that we have free access to God's throne. We receive that because we have received the gospel. And when we receive the gospel, the fruit of the gospel is we have become justified. And it's only because you have become justified that you are able to have peace with God. Well, you don't see God as an enemy, but you see that God is on my side. Um, I think just recently I was talking with someone at work and the person was talking to me that I was being abused in my marriage and a whole lot. But she begins to feel bad because she wants to know whether it's God's will that her husband will continue to subject her to abuse and did she disappoint God for living because she doesn't want to be in a case where God will hate her because she didn't subject herself to abuse because the Bible says you should submit to your husband. I'm telling you, I'm like, who is your teacher? Do you know God? I said that we, we had a real talk about who God really is. And I said, every problem that you are having today, as you are talking to me, is because you truly don't know who God is. And if you know God, one of the things you will know is that you have peace with God. God is not your enemy. There is no enmity between you and God. And if you have peace with God, God wants your welfare. And we had to spend a lot of time just talking about that, that everything you have experienced today boils down to only one thing. You don't know God. She was very quiet. like, wow. It's like, I've been to church, but I've never heard it like this before. So yeah, you don't know God. And that's, that's the reality. So there are many Christians who see God as an enemy. And now, even as I'm saying this statement, it now dawns on me why the writer of Hebrews writes, if you are not acquainted with the doctrine or the teaching of righteousness, you are still a baby. So I think righteousness is one of the things we have to really understand because when you understand righteousness, you understand that you are justified. And when you understand that you are justified, the first benefit, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, is that we have peace with God where we don't see God as our enemy. And God also doesn't see us as our enemy. We are on his side. All the time, 24-7, he is never going to turn against you. When you are justified, you can count God being on your side forever until the end of the age. Amen. So that to me is good news. The second benefit, it says, we have access by faith into this grace which we stand. Now, you know, one of the very broad meanings is grace. When you look at grace in the New Testament, charis, it has about 23 different meanings. 23. So sometimes you have to look at the scripture in context because the general definition of grace is unmerited favor. But that's not all there is to it. 
Sometimes you have to look at the context. And when you look at the lexicon study, it begins to break down grace in different contexts of the scripture. Now, in this context, it means goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. So we have access by faith into God's goodwill, God's loving kindness, and God's favor. So it's not just about unmerited favor. It's bigger than that. So when we have been justified, we have access by faith into his goodwill, into his loving kindness, and into his favor. And that's such good news. So thank God for the gift of righteousness. You don't just have peace with God where there is no enmity. You also have access into his goodwill. You have access into his loving kindness. You have access into God's favor. So today, begin to rest on yourself on God's loving kindness, God's goodwill, and God's favor. You are God's favorite because you have the favor of God. See, all of us are God's favorites. That's why you have to say it for yourself. Because I have access by faith into this grace. It's just bigger than unmerited favor. I have access into God's goodwill. I have access into God's love and kindness. I have access into God's favor. That's why you should not be afraid of the times we are in. The times we are in might be uncertain, but I have access. No matter whatever you are going to face, say to yourself, I have access because I am the justified. Justified means the state of being declared righteous. If you are a Christian, you are justified. And if you are justified, I'm here to tell you one of your benefits is you have access. And how do you get access? You get access because you have been justified. So that's the password. What's the password into God's goodwill? What's the password into God's loving kindness? What is the password into God's favor? Justified. J-U-S-T-I-F-I-E-D. That's the password. Justified. Are you justified? If you are justified, you have access. You will not be denied entry. Uh, you see, that, that is one thing that puts us a step ahead above the ordinary man. The ordinary man may be rich. The ordinary man may be a billionaire. The ordinary man may be a trillionaire. The ordinary man might be a great sports figure. The ordinary man might be a Hollywood celebrity. The ordinary man might be uh, a powerful media mogul. The ordinary man may be a president, a politician, whoever, a philosopher. But he might not have access into God's goodwill, God's loving kindness, and God's favor. Because what it takes for us to receive this three-pronged blessing is justification. So that's the second benefit. We have access by faith into this grace. That's why faith has been mentioned twice. Everything there is by faith. We have been justified by faith. Because of that, we have peace with God. Because we have been justified by faith, we have access by faith into the grace of God. So tap into it. Tap into God's goodwill. Tap into God's loving kindness. Tap into God's favor. 
There are some Christians, they have a very warped and skewed understanding of God. All that they understand of God is God's punishment. God's wrath. As for God, he doesn't spare. God is wicked. God, God will kill you right now. That's all they understand about God. They have never been able to tap into God's loving kindness, God's goodwill, and God's favor. They've never been able. Even when they sing songs like, I love you, Lord, you should see their face. How can you love God and still squeeze your face? You've not understood the love of God yet. There is a certain realm when you enter, you experience God's goodwill, God's loving kindness, and God's favor. And the Bible is letting us know that if you and I have been justified, that's why Paul spent all those long talk in two chapters just explaining what it means to be justified, not through the righteous requirements of the law, but having faith in the Son who died on the cross and shed his blood. If we have experienced that and it wasn't true law-keeping, then I'm here to tell you tonight that you have access into the grace of God, which is God's favor, God's loving kindness, and God's goodwill. Thank God for the gift of righteousness. The third benefit that we see here is that we rejoice in the hope of glory. And I tell you that whenever you see the word hope in the epistles, it always doesn't mean expectation of something good. You know, because when we are hoping... That means we are expecting probably something good to come up. Knock on wood. Hoping. But when the episodes talk about hope here, it normally refers to our destiny, which is we will be a partaker of the resurrection. That is the hope of glory. So when we have experienced the gift of righteousness, we rejoice in the hope of glory. Look, you can't rejoice in the hope of glory. It's not a natural thing to do. It's not natural. It's not, it's, not, it's not natural. You have to be imputed upon the gift of righteousness and that informs what you like and what you rejoice in. And one of the things you rejoice in is the hope of glory. Why? Because you will partake of the resurrection. There are many Christians who get scared when they hear the word rapture, end times, heaven, hell, resurrection. There are some Christians who don't even like it. Like, God, why should you come? I want to do everything in this world. I want to, do every- I want to enjoy the world. I want to travel. I want to sit on a private jet. I want to do this. I want to make my first million. Why will you come now? You are spoiling the fun. But when you get to a level where you understand God, whenever you hear the word rapture, whenever you hear the word resurrection, whenever you hear the word heaven and hell, your heart will not skip a beat. You will rather rejoice. (laughs) You will just have joy because you will look forward to that day where you will go to a place where the city, its builder and maker is God, where your corruptible flesh will drop and give way to incorruptibility, where your mortal flesh will drop and give way to immortality, a place where there is no more darkness nor day, a place where there is no more, you will look forward to that day. You will rejoice in the hope of glory. I I tell you, when you come to a place where you understand the gift of righteousness, you will rejoice when you hear the word end times. You will never be sad again. 
So maybe someone is, you know, everybody is the word Christian lightly, but maybe you're a church goer. And if you hear the word rapture, resurrection, end times, heaven or hell, and your heart skips a beat, it's possible you are still a baby. Because until you become acquainted with the teaching of righteousness, which is solid food, you will still continue to panic and have heart palpitations when you hear the word hope. And even when you hear the word hope, if you're a baby, you will think of confident expectation of something good, which is bigger than that. Because when the Bible defines hope, it defines hope in two definitions. One that we are all popular with, what we are, is popular with everybody, we all know that meaning, but there is another hope which has to do with partaking of Christ's resurrection. And I pray that in this year of knowing Christ, may we truly get there where we will say, I want to attain, I want to attain to the highest level. And what's the highest level in Christianity? To partake of his resurrection. Amen. And now, because we rejoice in the hope of his glory, it helps us to endure tribulations. That's the only, that's the only thing. When you don't have that as your worldview, you can't endure tribulations for the sake of the gospel. And if you do remember, I preached a message called Christian suffering. Not every suffering is termed Christian suffering. Some suffering you shouldn't even suffer. But I'm talking about suffering that is associated and directly related to your faith in God, directly related to the preaching of the gospel. When, when such things befall you, you rejoice because you know that you partake of the hope of glory, which is the resurrection. So it will help you. It will help you to endure tribulation. And that's one of the reasons why Paul could endure a lot. And not just Paul. It's one of the reasons why Peter too could endure a lot. It explains the reasons why most of the apostles could endure a lot. Why? Because they understood that once I have been justified, I rejoice in the hope of glory. There are many Christians who cannot stand uh, inconvenience or discomfort for the sake of the gospel. But when you understand the bigger picture and when you have a different worldview, it's okay. Because I rejoice in the hope of glory. And because I rejoice in the hope of glory, I am prepared to go through tribulations, tough times for the sake of the gospel. Can I tell you something? Tough times is part of Christianity. Don't forget that. Tough times is part of Christianity. Discomfort is part of Christianity. Inconvenience is part of Christianity. We, we have not come to, if you would like to call Christianity a religion, we have not come to a religion where it's uh, zero troubles, zero inconveniences, zero discomfort. No. You experience all those things but the difference between you and the world is that God has made a way of escape for you. That's all. I think it would be very disingenuous on any man of God to say that when you come to the Lord, it's tribulation free. It's not. It's there. But God will make a way of escape. 
But one thing is that the Bible lets us know that when tribulation comes, there are processes. It works out perseverance. So when you see the word produce, you might get very confused. Produce here doesn't mean it will give birth. Troubles don't give birth to perseverance. Troubles come to kill you. <laughs> you know, one, one time Jesus was praying, Luke chapter 22, and he told Peter, he mentioned his name twice. That means there's a problem. Peter, Peter, Satan wanted to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith will be strengthened. Or other verses, your faith will fail not. And when thou art strengthened, strengthen your brethren also. So that is what tribulations come to do. Tribulation come to sift you as wheat. Tribulation doesn't give birth to perseverance. So when tribulation comes, tribulation has to bring out of our born-again spirit perseverance. And that's what will help us to endure perseverance. And we, we learned about that when we did, um, what's the name of the series again? I'm trying to remember. The series on Second Peter 1. You all remember that. Yeah. We talked on perseverance. Add to your faith seven things. One of them was perseverance. Perseverance helps you to go through tribulation. If you are waiting for tribulation to break, give birth to perseverance, you might not live. You will die. But whilst we don't have tribulation yet, the Christian has to spend more time on godly character. And one of the faces of godly character, which is the fruit of the Spirit, is long-suffering. And when tribulations come, we pull out long-suffering, which will help us to endure and go through tribulation. Amen. So tribulation works out. It doesn't give birth. Because otherwise, people who have suffered will be the most patient people. But when troubles come, what do you have in your spirit? What have you developed in you? It's what will help you get along. All the troubles that Paul experienced, it didn't produce perseverance, but it's what Paul had built in his inner man that he was able to pull out that helped him endure through. Amen. But the thing is that if you don't have a worldview about the hope of glory, you will not survive. You won't survive. So the hope of glory is a huge incentive for us working on our Christian character. And then when tribulation comes, we will pull out perseverance. And that will help us to weather, weather any storm or any season of tribulation we find ourselves in. And perseverance, the Bible lets us know, it works out character and character hope. And what's the hope? Not confident expectation of good. It says, well, when you are reading the New Testament, be very careful because there are some places in the New Testament hope doesn't refer to the resurrection. Hope just refers to confident expectation of something good. But here, hope here refers to the resurrection. So, the third benefit of why we have been justified 
is we will rejoice in the hope of glory. And when we have that as our view, it will help us to go through any difficulties, any inconveniences for the sake of the gospel. Because at the end of the day, tribulation, when it works out its purpose in the life of a believer, it will still come back to hope. So it's important to have that as your worldview. But you can't have that as your worldview if you don't understand as a believer that I have been justified. Do you understand? Amen. And the Bible lets us know that because of that, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Every born-again believer has divine love to relate with human fellows. And most importantly, love is what will keep us afloat that we will be able to go through tribulations for his, sake, for his name's sake, which will have an end result of hope. Amen. So now let's read the next few verses in verses 6 to 11. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone even there to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received their reconciliation. Amen. Now, um, the first few verses, Paul is going ahead to explain the price at which our justification came. It says, when we were without strength. Now, this word strength here means when we were sluggish in doing right. We were without strength. We were sluggish in doing right. And why were we sluggish in doing right? Because man had a dull heart. We were dull-hearted. We had a stony heart. You read Ezekiel chapter 30. The Bible says, I will take away the stony heart and I will put a heart of flesh. Man had a dull heart. Man's heart could not sense the things of God. And because of that, it affected us doing right. We were sluggish in doing right. That means we were without strength. And Christ died for the ungodly. What a laugh. He didn't wait for us to get it right. There are some people who even give you conditions for their relationship. If you don't do this and this, I will not forgive you or I will not talk to you again. That's not God. God didn't wait for that because if God had given us conditions, <laughs> we would have still been waiting. There was nothing we could do. We were without strength. We were sluggish in doing the right thing because... We were sinners, and because of our heart, we had an uncircumcised heart. Dark hearted, we had a stony heart. And Christ didn't wait, but he died, irrespective. Um, Paul said something. He said that God demonstrated his own love towards us by smiting his only son in Jesus. And Paul is saying that, I'm sorry. My notes want to connect somewhere. 
no technology and Paul compares this to even a good man will a righteous man die for him praise God Praise God. All right, don't worry. It's recorded. I'll send you the message. Amen. So don't worry. But Paul even compared this to a righteous man. Will a righteous man die for a good man? Perhaps. Perhaps. That is not even sure. Perhaps. How much more a sinner? Yet God paid that love. It was a very expensive one. He had to bruise his own son. The, the, the Bible says that it pleased the father that the son was bruised. Why? Not because God is a sadist. God has no pleasure in torture. It pleased the father that the father was bruised so that we can be called the righteousness of God. That's why. It's because of us. Not because of not because his son was was bruised and he was tortured and God was happy about it. It didn't please that, that's not what it means that it pleased the father. It pleased the father that the son was bruised because of us. So that we can be imputed upon the gift of righteousness. Look, God loved us, and God loved us whilst we were still sinners. He didn't love us because we speak in tongues. He didn't love us because we speak Christianese. He didn't love us because we speak in King James English. God loves us while we were still sinners. While we were without strength. We were sluggish in doing the right thing. He still loved us. He loved us enough to say that, okay, they are never going to do the right thing. I can't wait for them to get it right. I'll send my son. That's the only way they will be free. And thank God that Christ died without expecting anything on man's part because man was without strength. So Paul is going at great lengths to explain to us the magnitude of the cost of justification. It came at the price of God had to send his son through torture. That The Bible says that it pleased the father that the son was bruised. Why? So that all of us could join the club of justification. That is love. Amen. So we look at the fourth benefit in the verse. It says that we are saved from the wrath of God that is to come. God had to let Christ go through all these inhumane things. The Bible says that he was beaten till he didn't look like a man. Have you seen some before? Have you seen someone being beaten so much that he didn't look like a man? That was Christ. Didn't look like a man. And that's why I can't even watch the Passion again. Just it only once. They beat him till he didn't look like a man. Do you know why? So that when we are imputed upon the gift of righteousness which makes us justified, we are saved from God's wrath. Look, God loves us. God knows that a day will come he will visit the world with his wrath. But God wants to make sure that we are free. So he had to send the son. It pleased the father that his son was bruised. Why? 
for my justification for your justification. If you do remember in chapter 2, we learned about God's oncoming wrath. And we realized that it will be called on the day of wrath and revelation of the judgment of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. So you have to know God. God is graceful, merciful, kind, generous. And God is also a just God. God is not an angry God. God is a just God. And he will visit his wrath upon sin and uncleanness. And he will also judge man for his choices. That's why he's a just God. You see, God doesn't send people to hell. Man was actually on his way to hell. That's why next week when we do verses 12 to 21, you will understand it very well. Next week we will tackle nine verses. Man was on his way to hell. Man was on the express train, on the way to hell. And God says, I have an idea. I will send my son to die for him. And if you receive him as your Lord and personal savior, your course will be diverted. So at the end of the day, man will go to hell and man will experience his destiny according to the choices he made. And that God has given us a free will and God will honor our choice. Amen. But I'm so glad that I'm safe from the wrath to come. And that that wrath will be experienced on the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Amen. The fifth and last benefit is we have been reconciled to God. That is the good news of the gospel. Reconcile was a business term for money changers. It's not really a Bible word. It it was used in exchanging equivalent values. So let me bring this home. The the, the dollar rate to the UK pound, $1 is equivalent to 73p in England. So let's say I want to give you the equivalent of $50. I have to give you $70. Am I getting right? Yeah. If I want to give you the equivalent of if if I want to give you the equivalent of pounds, 50 pounds, I have to give you $70. That is called reconcile. Do you all get it? So how do you reconcile things? Reconciliation means adjustment of difference. In equivalence of values. That, that's money. So to the British man, if I want to give him 50 pounds and I have dollars on me, to reconcile that amount, I'll have to give him $70. And when I give him $70 and if he changes it at the bureau de change or forex the bureau, whatever they call it, he will get 50 pounds. It's called reconciliation. Do you understand? So now to bring it in our context, when we talk about reconciliation, It means we have had an adjustment of difference. We've had an adjustment of difference. We were sinners. The wrath of God was going to come upon us. And God reconciled the world to himself in Christ by adjusting the difference. So now we are no longer children of wrath. We are now children of his goodwill, children of his good pleasure, We have access into God's goodwill, loving kindness and favor. We have peace with God, right? We rejoice in the hope of his glory because we have experienced what we call an adjustment of difference. And that is reconciliation. 
And because of that, we have been restored to favor. Adam and Eve had every favor with God. But when they sinned, that was taken away. But when Christ died, he restored to us that favor again. And that's why verse 2 is important. Because the benefit of justification is we have access by faith into the grace of God, which is God's goodwill, God's loving kindness, God's favor. Why, why do we have access? We have access because we have been reconciled to God. The fifth reason is why verse 1 is possible. We, don't, we have no enmity with God because we have peace with God. And number two, we have access by faith into the grace of God, which speaks of God's goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. We delight in God's goodwill and pleasure because of our status. And that is good news. So let me close with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. And I'll be down for tonight. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know, we are new creation. And you know one thing I like about it? You, our newness never expires. Do you know that in this world, you don't call things new for long? Newness gives way to oldness with the passage of time. Have you ever driven a new car before? How does it feel now? It's old. We have old things because once upon a time, we had something called new. It's old now. Everybody here, if you have an old thing, it means you have experienced a new thing before. And newness will have to give way to oldness because of the passage of time. Well, if you, give, if, if you, if you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior... 1979. Can I announce to you that 2021, you are still new? But if you had a belt in 79 and you are wearing it in 2021, is that old? I don't even know what to even call it. Maybe I'll even take the D off. It's O. That's it. It's just O. But, but what I'm trying to say is that no matter how old you are, you are still a new creation. So someone could have given his life to Jesus Christ in 2020, he is new. Okay, vintage. Thank you. Good English word. It's vintage, all right? It's vintage. Right. So, um, someone could have given his life to Jesus Christ in year 2000. Today is 2021. He is new. Someone could have given his life to Jesus Christ in 1990. Today is 2000, uh, 2021. He is new. Someone could have given his life to Christ yesterday. He is as new as the person who received Christ in 1979. There is nothing like oldness. You, you never become an old creation. Once you are in Christ, you have the force of newness upon you. That's why we walk in the newness of life. So our newness never pa passes away. Thanks be to God. 
I am a new Christian. You are a new Christian. And not only that, we have also experienced reconciliation. And God is also reconciling the world to himself in Christ by not imputing sins or trespasses. And you, do you know the great news about this? He is reconciling the world to himself. Not only Christians. He is reconciling the world to himself. Breaking news. God is reconciling the world to himself. This is something that should, should be on every major news network. Breaking news. God is reconciling the world to himself. And that is why we have been given the word of reconciliation. So our gospel is supposed to be a reconciliation gospel. Our gospel is supposed to adjust the difference of a sinner to a righteous person. That's why. The fifth benefit of justification is we have been reconciled to God. And God did not do that only for Christians, for the whole world. And that is why we have the word of reconciliation to tell people that God is reconciling the world to himself. This is what we call good news. And let's help them take that step. By receiving Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, being justified by faith because they believed in the Son, and then they can experience reconciliation. I'm done for tonight. I deserve some water. I'm thirsty. All right, I'm done. Any questions or contributions are welcome. I have just one minute on the clock, so yes. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I like your explanation of reconciliation. I like the adjustment of, of difference where we come short and God makes it even right by the blood of Jesus. So that was powerful. I, I, I like that one. Kind of brings it home in the, in the mind for me anyway. Um, and the, and the going over the uh, justification and uh, the righteousness of God, it is very important. Uh, I like how you tied it in with Hebrews. Um, why would, why would, why would something so, um, you know, uh, foundational, right? We have a lot of foundational principles, but this particular, uh, founded doctrine, I should say, this doctrine, um, can make us mature or immature. So that's also powerful. Yeah. That's all I really have to say. I, I don't have questions at this time. Okay. It's, it's eight o'clock. Will one person sum up for us that in a minute? All right, it's 8.01 then. Let me pray. Because Pastor Jessica did a great job summing up. I hope we all got something tonight. Father, we thank you. We have received the gift of righteousness and we rejoice. Because of that, we can say, we have peace with you. 
Because of that, we can say, we have access by faith into your grace, which is goodness, loving kindness, and favor. We declare we are the favorites of you because we have access. We thank you, O Lord, that you have saved us from the wrath to come. Thank you, Lord, for justifying us. Father, we thank you that we rejoice in this hope of glory. And because we rejoice in this hope of glory, it affects our view. It even affects how we will live for you. Even when times are not so good, when times are tough, we will stick it through because we know that we have a joy that awaits us and that is to partake of your glory of resurrection. We thank you that we have been reconciled to you. Thank you that you have adjusted the difference that I am no longer a sinner, but I am a saint. I am no more condemned. I am pardoned. I am no more guilty. I walk free. Every chain and every burden of sin is broken off me because I've been reconciled to you. And Father, I thank you that you deem me worthy enough to commit to me the word of reconciliation to be a heralder of your good news. I give you praise for it all, Lord. Father, together with the household of faith at ICC, we just want to say thank you for paying such a precious gift. Your word says that a righteous man will perhaps even not die for a good man. But Father, even though we were sinners, we were sluggish in doing the right thing. Yet you taught us worthy and counted us worthy of your love that you sent your son to die for us, that we could share in your nature, and that is righteousness. For this reason, we say thank you. We will not forget this, Lord. These benefits of justification will keep us going on and on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. So today we, we have our flyer for the camp meeting. So please... Um, Share it on all your social media handles. And please do register. Uh, we will try and make some rooms available. More, more people are registering by the grace of God. I think now we have about 17 and counting. If I'm, if I'm correct. Pastor Jessica, you can fact check me on that. I think we have 17 people and counting. So it, it's good. We, we want to believe that more people register. We will try and make every provision necessary so that... We can have a great camp meeting, amen. And we will also observe the CDC protocols. So in as much as we, we are having fun, we will also be responsible. So uh, that's on the agenda. The second thing on the agenda is that 1st to 2nd May, we are going to have a convention. We call it Faith Convention, amen. And we are inviting Pastor Frank Amwakujampa, Senior Pastor of Parodiv. Um, that's Word of Life Christian Center in Brussels, Belgium, to be with us. Amen. So it will be Saturday, two sessions, afternoon and evening, and then Sunday service. I believe God placed this initiative on my heart for the welfare of the church. The church at this stage and at this juncture of our lives have to learn to walk by faith and live by faith so that we can experience victory at all times. Because the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And in this uncertain time, I think it's very prudent 
on our parts for us to skillfully learn how to walk and live by faith. So all three sessions, the agenda will be on the subject of faith. And Pastor Frank is one of the best teachers on that subject. So I thank God that he has availed himself to be here on the first to the second, which is just Saturday and Sunday. So I will entreat all of us to come. So God willing, by Saturday, we should have that flyer ready and we'll kick off things running. So I'm going to announce it again on Sunday. And I want to believe all of us will be present and, and make the program a success. So that's it for now. God bless you guys. Good night and love you. Stay blessed. Good night.